0: Well, the gang's all here, folks. And this is Harold Jarbo, AKA the Old Hair Farmer. And I'm sitting down with Abby McCullough, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media, and Sarah Souther of Bang Candy. And Sarah, how do you pronounce your last name now?
1: Souther, you got it absolutely right that time.
0: Okay, all right. sarah is the oldest maker of cannabis infused edibles in the state of tennessee and she has been doing it since the very early part of 2017 and we are thrilled to have you here today sarah
1: well thank you very much jarvo it's all your fault that i'm the oldest maker of one of those products cannabis edibles
0: i have to tell us a story about this. When we first met her, she had a manager there. It was all excited. And then uh, who introduced me to Sarah. And then Sarah, who was, uh, as a lot of business owners are, was kind of okay. So I talked her into doing this event that was a Cannabis Coalition type thing about trying to legalize medical marijuana. And you guys made I think a couple different types of cookies and you sold like three or $400 worth of cookies with CBD in them in a couple hours, I think basically sold out. And it wasn't too much later than that, you decided that you were gonna do something and you came up with your dream drop.
1: Correct, correct, that is right. And I can't believe that that's four years ago
0: it is time flies in in cannabis one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on there is one thing longevity has its rewards (laughs) but the other thing is that now that you are established you're branching into d8 talk to me about your new product
1: well again thanks to you jarbo um (laughs) you brought by a little sample of the d8 um, and we were very busy and didn't get a chance to do anything with it. And then finally, uh, I made a milk chocolate um, D8 candy and uh, they are amazing and I you know I say that myself with a pinch of salt, but they really are very, very good and extremely effective. And uh, they've been going gangbusters. So thank you again for strong arming me into it again.
0: Were you surprised at your customer receptivity once, because let, let's go into, we, we established the fact that you've been doing edibles since 2017, but how long have you had bang candy?
1: I have been making candy under this name since uh, 2010, so 11 years.
0: So seven years in, you were kind of feeling, the, was it the seven-year edge? And you were looking for something a little bit different or was it the fact that you intuitively knew that this was something that was had, as we'd like to say in the business, had legs?
1: I mean, I've always been interested in the whole idea of edibles and we're excited to get into it because, you know, we feel inevitably um, it will all be legalized and we'd like to be on the forefront of it. And, uh our name bang candy i mean it just lends itself to the industry so well
0: now that you've transitioned what percentage of your business at this point is uh cannabis infused uh edibles
1: Hmm, that's it it really fluctuates uh we have three cannabis products we've got our dark dream drops with cbd uh, our white dream drops with CBD and now these milk chocolate dream drops with the D8. So we've got three products. Um, and as of the last two months, it's probably been 50% of our sales.
0: Well, whoa. basically the the CBD D8 is acting for your business. Like it's done for a lot of the traditional CBD stores, vape stores, and those other places that were a year ago were all doing CBD and finding their sales were lagging. The D8 revitalized those shops and it's kind of done the same thing. Also, real quick, is it getting you a new demographic?
1: I would say yes, probably. I'm not exactly sure of the de- of who is buying them. We, I mean, we're doing a private label product for another um, cannabis company here. So, um, I'm not really sure of their demographic, but we are making tons and tons and tons of chocolates for them. It's absolutely insane.
0: The correlation between just getting in the candy business and getting into the edibles business are there some of the same things, or is the fact that you've already established a brand name after 11 years enabled your launch, your product launch, to go smoother?
1: I definitely think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, after 11 years, people trust us. They trust us to have a good product, they trust us that it's a quality product. Yeah, so when they when they see a cannabis product on our website or whatever um, sales avenue it is, they're like, oh, well, this is probably good. Let's give it a whirl. And then we've had a lot of repeat orders from people who've tried any of them. So it's really quite wonderful.
0: That kind of goes into right now, uh, the cannabis business, especially in CBD and D8, is kind of going through a transition. Uh, There is a, just a plethora of DA products out there. A lot of which are, they don't taste good. They don't look good. They don't smell good. And this, so this is a, an an instance where brand recognition really does reinforce your product.
1: Uh, Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) I hope that's the reason they're buying them. It's good stuff. And that's kind of the most important thing to us is that we are selling a quality and delicious product
0: the reason i brought that up is one of the reoccurring themes and i'm probably redundant redundant on this is the fact that how important marketing and branding and brand awareness is in marketing cannabis
1: yeah very very important i would say you know it's it's a new area for so many people especially in tennessee they want something that they can trust so i think yeah, uh, good brand awareness, good marketing, uh, good feedback, uh, that's all quite important to the customer.
0: Okay, speaking of this, here we've been in place where all businesses have had to transition during the last 12 months. What have you changed with the way that you market your products?
1: Um, well, we've had to be very resourceful because, um, At the beginning of COVID, we had to shut our store, which was at least 50% of our business. So we had to go online. And so we found a few new sales avenues, these sort of, um, they're like wholesale websites where people who have stores can go on there and and order things and whatever. And that has been really, really good. At the beginning of it, we didn't realize that if you put CBD that gets flagged and they won't sell it for you. But if you put the word hemp extract, it's fine. And they will sell it. So that has been, uh, that has been interesting. And then, you know, we're using all the usual, uh, avenues like Facebook and Instagram and all of that sort of thing.
0: Everybody who's now trying to sell CBD or D eight right now has this love, hate relationship with Facebook. So, How's how's the dating with Facebook been going? (laughs)
1: Um, It it seems to be, you know, some days it's fine. Some days our photos or our little um, messages get flagged and they take them down because of words that we use. But as I said, we have other avenues, so we're not really that reliant on Facebook. I also think Facebook seems to be, its effectiveness is waning.
0: So what are the other social network sites that are you're using?
1: Uh, well, we use Instagram. And I know that's owned by Facebook, but I don't seem to think that we've, I, I don't personally do the social media myself. I'm pretty terrible at it. Instagram people are more reactive on there than Facebook.
0: Also, it's a different demographic, age-wise.
1: Yeah, you're you're probably right there. Yes, I got slagged for using Facebook the other day by a thirty-year-old friend of mine. Oh my God, you use Facebook? (laughs) No.
0: people love facebook because we can go on there and and either get pissed off real quick or piss uh, somebody else off real quick i mean it's, uh,
1: I see it's not why you like it
0: no I, i've had to totally reshape how i post what i post when i post because one of one, one of the things that people don't realize it's like a little mini tv station so you go out there and you post something you have to weigh the pros and the cons, well, are I am I alienating more potential customers than I am getting? Them?
1: Who Who do you alienate? What kind of people?
0: Well, I mean, we we don't, because I learned real quick about, you know, a few years ago about how I, because I, I, believe it or not, the old hemp farmer is opinionated. I know that a lot of people <laughs> don't know that, but no. it's, it's a fact and i would go out and express these strong opinions and you could see you'd lose followers i mean it was really oh so you know it was one of those things i changed that's what I'm saying so right now you've got your flagship is shut down right yeah when does that come back
1: i'm not sure i'm not sure if it will come back something we're sort of weighing up right now
0: is this the weighing the fact of how? cost-effective it is to keep it open because of employees or the fact that you look kind of like how you transitioned?
1: Well, a little bit of both. Um, if we open back up, it means hiring on a bunch more employees. It means training them up um, and it means being open six days a week and, it you know, it costs money to do all of those things. And if we can sell online and if we can sell wholesale, we can keep our team smaller and probably do better business if we're smart and savvy about our marketing.
0: In the the past, having that flagship store, whether it was a dispensary or rec store or whatever, it was integral to the brand. How much marketing-wise do you think you lost by what? 50, 60% 50, 60% of the people came in your store were tourists?
1: Most of them were tourists, yep, yeah, Because yeah. we're right down here beside Antique Archaeology, so it's a very touristy little area of Nashville. Do
0: you think that's made a difference in who you reach?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're certainly not not reaching all the random folk that we used to. Now it's um, people who follow us already or through these new sites that I was telling you about, these wholesale sites. We're now selling to probably a lot more little stores around the countryside. So we're kind of, it's just a very different way of reaching people. But we seem to be.
0: Uh, I think I've I've rambled enough. And I think we're gonna do age before beauty step. Do you have any questions for for dear old Sarah? I
2: I guess you mean old age before beauty. You
0: had had to classify that. I was gonna just. Um,
2: if if we don't mind if I backed up a little bit, do you, do you feel the bump in D8 on a trend? Obviously, uh, but I wonder if the general bump in overall sales is pandemic related, both from a pivoting business models as well as just the anxiety that we're all experiencing during the last year plus months.
1: Yeah, that's quite possible. Also, I think a lot of people are stuck at home, they're on their computers, they're buying a lot more online. Yeah, I mean, it could be a pandemic thing. I don't know exactly.
2: I I wonder about it in my business as well, but I wonder how much of this will linger even when we get back to the quote, new normal, and how that affects business models moving forward.
1: Well, hopefully we get everybody addicted (laughs) <laughs> and they won't be able to stay away, you
0: know? <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a time-honored way of selling drugs. It really is. Absolutely. abby what do you have for us today?
1: Going back again, I'd, I'd like to hear the story. I've heard it before, but I think other people should hear it, about how Bang Candy actually started and what the that night that you had the marshmallows was like, Ah, that night. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's probably a lovely springtime evening and I went to a local restaurant with my friend Nina Miller and uh, we were uh, imbibing deeply in the wine <laughs> and um, we decided we'd just drink and then uh, we were like, Oh, let's have just dessert. This will be great. So we ordered this... Um, on the menu, I I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was basically this thick molten hot chocolate and it was served with handmade marshmallows, which I'd never tried before in my life. And I thought they were the most amazing thing that I had ever eaten. Mm -hmm. And so I went home with a bit of a buzz on and uh, started experimenting in the kitchen and made some rose cardamom marshmallows and they were just divine, absolutely divine. So I brought them to a dinner party the next night. The hostess exclaimed, Sarah, these are like swallowing God in velvet pants. (laughs) And I thought to myself, gosh, I must be onto something here. Um, So anyway, it just kind of, you know, that the next day somebody called me that was at the party and uh, asked if I would make some for an event for them. And it just kind of kept organically snowballing like that. And uh, in September I launched the company.
0: When did you transcend to a, like a, like a food truck?
1: So that was September and I started selling them to a couple of different Um, little cafes like Fido and Mitchell's Deli in East Nashville and the Belcourt Theatre a few few little places but I was realizing that I couldn't really make that much money selling them wholesale um, at that small scale so I was like I really need a little shop but I don't have any money and then I thought oh what about a what about a food truck? But of course, I didn't have any money for a food truck either. So I got a tiny garden shed made and I put it on the back of a five by eight trailer. And I would drive around selling hot chocolate and marshmallows. And it was great. Um, people loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But I said it got you to where you are. That's awesome. Absolutely absolutely yeah and then i guess it was about a year later we opened the store here in marathon village
0: now when you first opened in marathon village it's nowhere near what it is now
1: no it really wasn't there was there was when i so a friend of mine mike wolf who's the antique archaeology fellow um we would meet and have breakfast at fido every so often whenever he came into town and we were having breakfast one morning and he was like, I'm opening a store in Marathon Village. You should open up too. And I was like, I have no notion of opening a store at all. And I don't have any money. So that's probably not going to happen. And he was like, well, come down and have a look at it anyway. I think it'd be great. And so I came down here. He was building at his store. There was no other retail here at that time. Um, and I just fell in love with the building and the rent seemed okay. So I was like why not? Let's open a store. So I, so I did. Little did I know all that was involved in opening a store, but sure. You learn as you go along, right?
0: If you knew all that you'd had to go through before you started the process, would you have done it?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> ignorance is bliss jarbo <laughs>
0: it really is
1: <laughs> i don't think I, I think the majority of people who start businesses probably don't know the whole ins and outs of what's ahead of them kind of like having a child if you knew what that was all about you probably wouldn't do it
0: yeah you might uh, but they're at one point they're so adorable yeah and then, and then they grow up all right so now you're down at Marathon Motors. And you're next to the uh people who go chase antiques yeah what's it called america what what's Ameri- the well it? it's
1: called antique archaeology but american pickers is that's the-
0: right the, the american pickers guys yeah so once they hit and you had these bus loads of tourists coming in is that when all of a sudden you started getting more of a, a national face
1: I guess so. Like the thing about the store is I always looked at it really more as, uh, you know, the face of Bang Candy. This our mark, a big marketing tool really, to be honest. So yeah, we did get a lot of exposure. I think we also got a lot of exposure because it was um, kind of mid recession time. Uh, we sold something that was kind of decadent and luxurious, but small and affordable and silly, it was like marshmallows. This is something to write about, you know? <laughs> so uh, something different and quirky. Uh, so we were very lucky. We kind of got a lot of media attention, which was awesome.
0: All right, speaking of that, Step of course has his own, he's what they call a predator, producer, editor. <laughs> Careful how you use that term. All right, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Say it with love. When did the, the, the television, sh- television show start showing up at your shop?
1: Pretty near the beginning. Actually, even before we began. After, so before we opened the store, I got, um, there was a small little article in the Nashville scene about us. And then a TV company here uh, approached me about doing a kind of reality TV show kind of thing and we spent months shooting a pilot. (laughs) Thanks be to goodness, um, there wasn't enough conflict, so uh, it didn't really work out uh, as- Uh, You're
2: better off for that.
1: Oh, thank God. Absolutely, thank God, really. Yeah, that, I don't know, like maybe that sort of started the ball rolling, and then Trisha Yearwood came here for a day and slaved under me as part of that show, Day Jobs. And then after that, we had some like food network thing that came and shot, and cooking channel, and Tennessee Crossroads, and some travel thing, and lots of things. I mean, it was really quite, quite good.
2: How did you scam all that? Everybody loves chocolate, Jarbo. (laughs) 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 No,
1: it's all luck. I mean, every uh, 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 death uh, 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 death uh, death uh, we've made has been luck.
0: I got to ask a question and it's a hard question. It's a hardball type question.
1: Oh God. Face it,
0: how much of this was because you have an Irish accent?
1: I mean, probably, probably quite a bit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're like crazy Irish redhead making marshmallows, you know, it's irresistible. <laughs>
0: so when, so after the crazy redhead started doing these TV shows, how much of a pop was this to your business?
1: Oh, a great pop! Every time, um, any, every time it would air, or any of these things would air, we'd get a massive, you know, spike on our online sales. And the beauty of all these shows is that they air several times, and they rerun them every couple of years, and whatever. So, so it's the gift that keeps on giving.
0: So, when are you going to do your TV show?
1: What do you mean by that?
0: Bang Candy, uh, Sarah prudence. Bang Candy. <laughs> <laughs> production.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I... Uh, oh,
0: because oh, uh, I got... In the earlier email, folks, we don't realize this, but we were going to do this an hour later, and dear sweet Sarah said that she was going to be out trying to get her motorcycling in before it started raining.
1: Yes, and I'd like to say thank you very, very much to all of you for bringing it forward an hour
0: you do know that at one point when I heard you were going to be out on a motorcycle in bad weather, I was thinking, Oh my God, if something happens to her, who can we get to t- take her place?
1: I know That's
0: well, awful. I know, but it's show business. Everybody moves up one, you know, but thankfully you didn't. So how much, Oh God. Uh, I, one of the ways, you know, the, type a personalities when they're females right and i was trying to think about how this way to do it where it doesn't always refer to uh a what entrepreneur a successful positive businesswoman. another thing i keep coming up with you is that you're a badass
1: well thank you very much jarbo i am flattered that you would think so
0: well especially i gotta t- uh, ask you one question when you were in mongolia a couple years ago
1: uh-huh
0: Was there any cannabis use in Mongolia? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, well, not that I came across, but I was also with my dad, so he would, you know, he'd frown upon that sort of thing. Um, But I didn't come across any cannabis use. Okay. Yeah, but we were out, you know, we were out in the middle of nowhere in the steppes, riding horses for days, getting stuck in snowstorms and, you know, strange things like that.
0: So... How many people in your life can really hang with you?
1: <laughs> it's becoming less and less every day. <laughs> <me>. <laughs>
0: so, all right. So now here we are, you're selling D8. You're doing it in Tennessee. You're centered here. Is there any ideas about getting into rec and maybe moving into other states? Like right down to the South of us here uh, is Mississippi and we, there's already people talking about what kind of edibles are going to have down there. Is that of interest to you?
1: That's very, very much of interest to me. Um, there's just, you know, there's there's barely enough hours in the day to maintain what we're doing right now here. So it's um, it really means pushing the boat out and getting more people involved, I think. I definitely am interested, just don't know the plan of action yet.
0: Because I'm curious, you know, a lot of the rec states, med states, you kind of have to be situated there. But have you ever thought about licensing?
1: Mm, Not until right now. Great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Great Uh, idea,
0: Carbo. Yeah. So where do you see this going? Now that you have had this commitment and the commitment seems to be paying off, where would you like to end up with this?
1: Well, I have said to uh, myself and um, the two people that are currently still working with me uh, recently as we make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chocolates every day of uh, cannabis chocolates, I'm like, you know, maybe Bang Candy is becoming a, a edibles company. And they're like, yeah, like, why not? So I don't know, maybe we do move into that realm definitely um you know more financially rewarding
2: you could you could send some chocolate out here to california and i could just sprinkle some thc on it
1: Like <laughs> well, she's got the da that
2: step her. that's true yeah that's true
0: do you want to talk about any about the relationship between uh, you know tennessee homegrown and and bang candy
1: sure sure well Uh, Tennessee Homegrown is our only provider of um, CBD oil and D8 oil and it's awesome and very high quality and uh, I'm delighted that you stumbled upon us whenever it was four years ago and that we have this relationship and if I am in need of product, Jarbo will get his ass over here ASAP and it's (laughs) absolutely amazing. You don't get that kind of service from everybody, you know.
0: Well, the, the other thing that interested is that that relationship between um, coming in—I don't want to say—yeah, catering, catering, trying to find out what you needs, like because we've changed our formulas a couple times, and you've had, and you know, you gave us feedback about oh, we don't like this, we do like that. That whole supply chain thing, I think, is important. One of the things is that we don't make the uh, same sort of edibles you do. How easy is it for you to get consistently, not the so much the Tennessee homegrown, but the chocolate and the other things that make your product unique?
1: Well, I was gonna say it's pretty easy, but every so often there are major shortages of different types of chocolate and whatever. So it has been a wee bit of a pain in the ass. Um, everything else is pretty, available and and some of the ingredients we make ourselves like the honeycomb toffee that goes into the D8 dream drops we make that ourselves so that's that's consistent and it's really important to have consistency when you're making a you know a product with a label on it that people like and they want to have the same thing the same effect every time so it's kind of page 1
0: one of the things here at Tennessee Homegrown is once that you do, with, regardless of the product, that you sold literally thousands of units, if by chance or on purpose, you change a formula, do you get feedback instantly?
1: Well, I haven't uh, really changed my formula as far as I know, Jarbo.
0: Well, no, well, no I'm, what I'm saying is chocolate and other ingredients, sometimes they change. I mean, all cacao beans aren't the same right so, like we have upgraded a couple things right we we what we thought was better and we did it and all of a sudden we get this feedback you you moved my cheese <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like well but this is better but no i like the other stuff so uh are so you're hesitant to to really tinker with your stuff too much
1: yeah very hesitant um and and one of the reasons is because of um, you know we get labels printed, and uh, we get thousands of them printed at a time. So if I tinker with the recipe and change things around, then I have to change all my labels and all of the rest of the stuff. So it's sort of you know an economic decision as well as anything else. But also you know the chocolate we use a specific type of chocolate. And if I can't get it, uh, which was the case, um, I can't remember when it was a few months ago, we couldn't get that particular chocolate. We just had to put stuff on hold for a little while. You know, it just wasn't available. How did that work? Well, we had a few customers that were waiting a few weeks for their order, but you know, they understood.
0: So they hung in there with you?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I th- I do think that people respect the fact that you're not going to fob them off with something else, you know.
2: Darbo, she doesn't need to change what
0: isn't broken.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: Well, well, but I mean, there's a lot of pressure to be able to get that that margin up. Yeah. You know, and so which has been, like I said, a Tennessee homegrown. We are well, you know. Our stuff's expensive.
2: It is. Yeah, but but Sarah's doing fluffy marshmallows and no conflict, so well, people no, are going to hang in there with her.
0: Well, the thing, well, yeah, I know. But one of the things that is starting to change in cannabis, and I think that might be why you're doing really well, Sarah, is that people now it's no longer good enough to have a cannabinoid in. it. They want a good nosh. They want something that tastes good. Yeah. yeah. Foodies. Yeah, well, you know.
1: well, there is a lot of stuff, and I'm sure you've come across a bunch of it, but there is a lot of cannabis sweets and things out there that are absolutely vile.
0: But you
1: buy so, a second time if it's disgusting. I mean, if you want to get high, you'll you'll just get high, but you probably want to have something that tastes good as well.
0: So how much price pressure have you had to well, okay, it's the, you know, pandemic and everything. If I just lower prices, I'll sell more.
1: We, we haven't had that pressure. I, I, that's sort of a thing that I decided way on early in the, in Bang Candy is that what we do and the way that we do it, it costs what it costs. And we don't, we don't mark up huge amounts. We mark up the normal amount you know, I could, I could use a cheaper chocolate and I could use cheaper ingredients, but what's the point? You know, the point for me, you make more money. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I want to have a, I want to have a product that I can stand behind and say, this is really good, reasonably affordable. It is expensive, but it's, you know, I think quality over quantity myself.
0: That means that you're doing a, a smaller segment of the population, and, but you're willing to do that.
1: Well, we're yeah. also making every single thing by hand. So, so
0: what's up with that?
1: What's up with that? We can't afford the machinery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, you're supposed to say, you've got that old world craftsmanship and that's what really matters.
1: <laughs> yeah yes.
2: artisan keep saying artisan be artisan yes
1: <laughs> yes no, it's just the way it's got to be done unless anyone wants to give me you know half a million dollars and then we can change the model slightly
0: now because of the last year i think people are spending more time thinking about what they're putting into their body do you think that has helped
1: um i don't i, I don't know i think I think the majority of our customers are are people who kind of think about those things anyway. Like they are, are all of our candies are um, all natural. Um, there's no preservatives or colors or you know any nastiness in there. Um, and I think the people who buy our stuff are kind of cottoned on to that idea.
0: Now you do know one of the reasons why we precede you. Uh, folks don't realize the reason why we originally went to Sarah was to make our edibles and she explained to me in a very very nice way yeah. is that she couldn't make money providing our edibles because she couldn't get the margin right.
1: <laughs>
0: which that which made me then go okay well then I'm going to sell you I'm going to sell you something uh, yeah. so but one of the things uh, I think that Maybe companies in cannabis are starting to realize is the strategic relationships and the fact that of of synergy with like minded vendors and people in the same ilk. Well, I mean, seriously, one of the reasons why we pursued you in the first place is that we liked your vibe. We liked, you know, what you were trying to do and, and your message. And I don't know if a lot of people think about that when they're they're doing like who they get their supplies with. Who they associate with, how that reinforces an idea and a demographic.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely think about that sort of stuff. You know, having a, a little tiny business like ours, we deal with all sorts of different vendors, you know, the people that do our graphic design to the people that do our, or make our labels or our tubes or our boxes and all of that. And, um, And the nice thing is you get to choose where you spend your money. And honestly, I prefer to spend my money with people that I like, uh, people who are good business people and decent and uh, nice to have a good old chat with. Um, And it's one of the luxuries of being in small business is you get to make those choices. And I think it's nice. It makes it all a bit more fun.
0: So, we've figured out that a product launch for you is a big deal, right?
1: Yes, it is. It is indeed.
0: So, as we peer down the path here just a little bit, are you th- thinking about any new products?
1: Well, we're just in the process of launching these new uh, D8 Dream Drops. So, that is very exciting. We're just waiting on uh, the label. We're waiting for it to be completely perfect. We've had several iterations and we're just not quite there. Uh, So, but hopefully next week that will be ready to go online. Um, And yeah, I'm doing um, a collaboration with another company here in Nashville They're a coffee company and we're doing sugar lumps for them and syrups. Um, And then we've got a few other things up our sleeve, Jarbo.
2: Can we make a request?
1: Of course.
2: Uppercut people are looking for a spicy dark chocolate dream drop.
1: Ooh. Okay.
2: Something with a little heat.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Food for thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. there, there actually might be something in the works along those lines.
2: Mark. Oh, you can take full credit. I don't need any credit. It's all good. All I want to know
0: is, folks, you heard it here first on Full Contact Cannabis.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, all right. Now, in the future here, how much do you want to start placing your product in more things like that are cannabis-associated?
1: Oh, oh, I'm, I'm all about that. yeah, all about it.
0: Here in the near future, are you trying to have a diversified revenue streams or do you have a priority?
1: Uh, well I always think diversification is a good idea, but we will we will be moving further into the cannabis line of things. I don't know, trying to do more wholesale in that in that um, area as well. so I, I don't know, we'll see.
0: I think this is the portion to where, Sarah, you can let all those wonderful people out there know all the ways that they can get a hold of you.
1: Okay. Um, well, the best way for wholesale, you can email wholesale at bangcandycompany.com. You can go on our website, which is bangcandycompany.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think Bang Candy Co. is our handle on all of those things. Uh yeah, that's about it, I think.
0: Are you on MySpace?
1: (laughs) Very funny, Jarvo. You nearly got me there.
0: How come everybody wants the shade on MySpace?
1: It's not going to go down that rabbit hole.
0: (laughs) All right. I'm going to wind this up. Like I said, Sarah Souther of Bang Candy. Mark Stepp of Evercut Media, Abby McCullough of Tennessee Homegrown, and I'm Harold Jarbo, aka the Old head Farmer. Thanking you for joining us on this rainy sort of afternoon.
1: Well, thank you very much, Jarbo, for having me, and uh, and wish me luck on my ride home.
0: Yeah, good luck on that bike ride. be with yeah. you. I was gonna say, <laughs> you know, at one point I, I I'd have done something like that. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for everything. I cannot thank you enough.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Very much. Appreciate it. We'll speak soon, guys.
0: Bye. Bye. Right. See you later.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks, guys.
2: Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee Homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Full Contact Cannabis is created by Jarbo, the old hemp farmer. Audio recordist, Abby McCullough. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com.